Hey, hey, on today's show, we're talking about how to grow and market your company when times are hard. What do you do when your back is against the wall? We're gonna talk about strategies and solutions to get out of the toughest situations. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot. I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, the CMO at Zapier, and this is Marketing Against the Grain. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part at least, it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means? Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Kieran, we're getting into the summer months here. I feel like shit's crazy right now. I feel as distant from you as I've ever felt, and it's hurting my heart. I'm like, our WhatsApp is not as busy as normal because we're getting crushed. So crushed. And I really don't like it. But it reminded, I think, both of us of what it feels like when you're in really high-pressure times and tough, like, macro times. And that's what a lot of people are going through right now. And we wanted to do a show all about what do you do? to grow your company, to market your business when times are tough. And we're going to talk about that today. But first of all, like, how are you doing, my friend? I feel like it's batshit here right now. Yeah, this week has been the grind. And like coming on this podcast, I have to admit to all you listeners, I was like, oh, this week I would just like to ring in sick <laughs> into my podcast duty, but I would never do that. Yes. God, I Hey, totally agree. Well, Part of today's show, I think, was inspired by a tweet that our friend Steph Smith did, which is she kind of outlined things are getting harder to grow companies, right? And you and I have talked a lot about like how it's getting harder to grow companies. But do you want to kind of outline for everybody watching, kind of set the table as to like, most people watching this are like, yeah, it is harder to grow, but like, why? <laughs> Can you help yeah. me understand? Like, I'm just kind of frustrated. Like, help me feel like it's not just me. Yeah, I think we want to talk about a couple of the things in this episode. We want to talk about the fact that just distribution is getting harder, separate that from growth, because a lot of growth is like internal to the product. We want to specifically talk about distribution and why that's getting harder and what you can do about it. And Steph had a really good tweet on that. The second thing we want to acknowledge is like just the playing field has changed, right? We yeah. used to live in an era of growth at all costs and higher, higher, higher. And now we are trying to like grow much more efficiently. And we should talk a little bit about that and what that means. And then the third one I want to kind of touch on is what would a winning marketing team look like in the future? Like if this AI era continues Ooh, to evolve, like continues to like it really change the way we do things, me as a founder or me as a business owner, how would I like to build my marketing team and what skill sets do I think are the priorities to have? And so I think the first thing we can touch on is 
distribution. And I think we've covered this in different segments within our podcast today. Hold on, Kieran, can you define distribution before you go into it? I just want to make sure everybody watching the show knows what distribution means when we're talking about it. So distribution, acquiring demand for your product, acquiring leads, it's the fuel that drives your business. Acquiring new customers, essentially. Yeah, acquiring new customers. When people talk about growth, they don't separate like the distribution part which is acquiring the signups from like the onboarding, activation, upgrading. And AI, I think, impacts those two things quite differently. And things are impacted quite differently across that spectrum. What I want to really talk about is like, we have been lucky and fortunate, a lot of us, to make our careers in an era where distribution had never been so valuable and measurable. Easy. (laughs) Easy for us because we're much better than anyone else can. No, but easy. But not easy for everyone, but easy as in like. But I'm saying easier than it was in previous eras, I guess, on a relative basis. I actually think it was more measurable and at higher scale. So why did those two things happen? Because we were lucky that Google became the de facto front door of the internet. And so that that scale and magnitude had never been seen before, but you could acquire that amount of demand from doing work that was that measurable into like exact customers. And then advertising became way more scalable, way more measurable in the internet era. And so we lived through that era. And then today you have SEO probably is gonna be fragmented by search. Like we've seen social, I think HubSpot actually were one of the few B2B companies to like actually operationalize and turn social into an acquisition channel for some amount of time, but it really became a closed wall pretty rapidly. Well, well, on social, I want to tell everybody listening, I got some data from Google that I think I'm allowed to share this, so I'm going to share it. Google did a whole buyer study of B2B buyers across different segments. And what do you think the number one highest influence channel was for B2B buyers in the enterprise? It's probably something that makes Google money. Google display advertising. No, another <laughs> guess. Okay, if I had to guess, I would have thought it would be some sort of word of mouth. Social. Social, yeah. Social, and, th- and this is like a very robust, large and like large sample size study. Social number one, I think peers, word of mouth, I think was number two. And then online video was number three. But social is a form of word of mouth. It's just like a more visible version of it because you're actually doing it within online communities. I'm just saying that I think a lot of companies, especially in B2B, undervalue the influence of social. That's actually pretty interesting. I think you're right that the direct response side of social is hard. Most companies very much undervalue the influence of social. I think I did for a long time, candidly. I'm happy to admit that. I've like, I think, seen religion and changed my ways now, but like it is now becoming very, very important. Yeah. I think that's actually a good point. I think I probably maybe undervalue it then. Oh, you totally did. Come on. You, did you un- say you maybe did? Come on. I'm, Come no, on. I, no, I, I'm not saying did. I'm saying... Do still? Do still. Maybe I don't... I don't think I had it with number one as like influential channel. Okay, so this is actually going to make my point, right? Okay, this is actually please. a great segue yeah. to this distribution, which is... I'm trying to help you, bro. I'm trying to help you. Yeah, so social has become a closed garden. But to your point, it is like a driver of influence of sales. And then the other ones that Steph had, which I thought were really good, is like, I kind of changed the wording, but like viral mechanics are really known. Like they went, we went through this era where product-led became a thing. And there was these ways to integrate viral mechanics, like the Dropbox referral model, like all of these different ways to get people to share your tools. They're kind of known, copy booked. The thing that I want to actually touch on because it's related to your social is the movement of all of this stuff away from what's measurable to like what is influenced. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at what's measurable, like we all look at the $1 and $3 back, I probably would underinvest in social 
But if I actually started to like widen my worldview of how this all works, I would probably invest much differently in social. So I think that's like an interesting point to touch on, which is maybe this is a good thing that the channels that we put the dollar in and get the $3 back at are going to get less impactful over time because it gives us better perspective on these other channels that are less measurable. I'm good. I'm going to say something very controversial. It's going to be one of my hottest of hot takes on this show of all time. Everything has gotten so hard to measure. It used to be when you and I grew up playing this marketing game, you could have very specific marketing ROI. And that was very accurate, right? The margin of error on that ROI was very low. The margin of error on that ROI has gotten much, much, much worse. Do you agree mm. with that? Agreed. Right? I think looking at ROI as an absolute is total bullshit now. Like, I think if you are looking at like hard, like this, these exact numbers are right is total bullshit. Right. I think you can look at them on a relative basis and say, oh, directionally, this is a better place to invest my money than this other place. But if you're like, I want to know the exact perfect return, I think you are literally just lying to yourself. I think you are making some bullshit assumptions in a model and lying to yourself. I tend to agree. I think you can do... No, if you don't agree, if you don't agree, no, please, I tend to, please I do, tell I me. Do, I, I agree that the models we need in the future are going to be ones that account for direct conversion which declines over time. And then these other ones, which account for the influence of that spend and how much demand that influence generated. And there's tons of models. Like we have ones in Zapier that are very complicated and like spend this amount of money on video advertising. How much money did that influence in return? And it's not like direct person clicked on ad converted. It's like, how much did that influence? And you have to do a lot of that stuff. You do it in HubSpot as well. The geo hold that tests. Correct. All these different ways to get the assume numbers to actually be able to like scope something out. But I think your point is no matter which way that you build that model and no matter how good you are at getting those parameters and the, and the details from these different ways of like doing geo-hold at tasks or all the different things you can do, there's just a bunch of assumptions in there. Yes. It's still not as clean as what we're used to. Yes. And my other kind of part of this take is think, look at what you just said, like the geo-holding tests, collecting all this data. Like it takes a lot more time and Oh, it effort. takes time. Oh, darn, these models to, take time. Right? Yes. And like yes. My, the question I'm asking, is that time worth it? Well, like, I hope so, Kip, because we're doing that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I think it is I'm, worth I'm it. I'm asking a legitimate you have question. To, yeah, you have to like, have, When does you, that return on that time diminish? This is interesting. This is a great timely topic, by the way. Seriously. Okay. This is a great topic. Wait, like, how do you know when to stop? Let me give you a hypothetical, right? Like Please. Kip Bonner has to sit down and spend $10 million on some sort of like make people aware that HubSpot is now this thing, right? Like some sort of awareness, right? It's not traditional, put the money in and get the $3 out. Okay, cool. So I need some sort of frame of reference to know of that 10 million achieved that kind of influence metric, right? Mm -hmm. But how long am I willing to spend in terms of how accurate that is? And so let's say each month, give me an additional, let's say I start from a baseline of like 50% accurate, day one, 50% accurate. And each month I can get 10% more accurate if I spend that month doing a bunch of these tests to your point, like the geo-holder test, mm -hmm. all of these different tests where I can start to build more accuracy yep. in my model. How do I actually figure out how much that 10% is worth to me in terms of accuracy versus the opportunity cost of having people run that and the opportunity cost of having like resources do that for me? Yes. I think that's a good question to ask, which is like the opportunity cost of doing these things versus the payback from accuracy. This is my hypothesis on this. I think this kind of fits the topic of the show. So I'm going to go down this rabbit hole. You know what the biggest problem in marketing is right now? Everybody's scared. When times get hard, you don't take as much risk. Mm. You feel like you need to perfectly spend that money. 
and you go from playing offense to playing defense. And that is a bad, bad place to be. The reason is defense is very unproductive because you become highly risk averse. You spend a bunch of time in your head. You spend a bunch of time analyzing and you spend less time with your customers, trying to influence your customers, trying to inspire your customers. And that's like the hyperbolic point I'm trying to make here, which is I think for the majority of companies, first of all, you said, hey, can I spend all this time and get 10% better each month? If you could actually get 10% better each month, then yeah, it's worth it. I don't think the majority of companies can get 10% better each month. Right. I think they can get like a percent better each month. Yeah, yeah. And if if that's true, that it's not worth it at all. Yeah, you have to ask yourself that then question. You should take all that time and effort and go run net new plays and programs that you have more uncertainty about, but I have a higher velocity in the market to go and run. Yeah, it matters in the return and that stuff. I'm just one humble marketer in this game. I agree. I think that a lot of people create models and data, like these kind of data models to make them feel better. We're doing it to validate ourselves, not to help our customers. This is, they're, they're to validate our decisions not because they are the right thing to do to make our customers more successful. That is the right point to make, which is like, oh, now that I have spent five months doing all of the data, I'm going to make the same decision I was going to make anyway. And I needed that data to feel good about the decision that I probably knew was the right one, but I just didn't have the guts to make without it. And I think having conviction matters. Having conviction matters, but it goes back to one of my favorite pieces of advice I've ever gotten in my entire life. I was 27 years old-ish. 27, 28, I think at the time. I just started working at HubSpot. I didn't know the young Kieran Flanagan yet even. And I I was running the blog at HubSpot and Darmesh, co-founder of HubSpot. It was maybe like my first month at HubSpot. I think we were just having a conversation in the office. I was talking about some experiment that I was trying to run over. He goes, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it and that experiment was going to go perfectly, would it be worth doing? Uh, Would it have a big enough impact to actually be material, matter, really move us forward. And I tell you what, you just apply that to everything and it really changes how you approach or think about things. Right. You're like, no, actually, me looking at this spreadsheet for four hours is not going to change anything. (laughs) The magic wand barometer. I like this, the magic wand barometer. But it's not just the magic wand. It is, it goes back to like, how much better do you think this can make you? Right. Yeah. If, if looking at all that data can make you 10, 20% better, then do it. That's, that's awesome. If it's going to make you one or 2% better, then you should not do it. Agreed. And we have to be honest with ourselves of like, what is the impact of the work that we're doing? Yeah. And not just ourselves, but the people we work with and just be like, Hey, I know we talked about like, I was going to do this analysis, but I did a quick like back of the napkin and like, there's not enough variability for us to like actually learn anything meaningful. And we probably should just not do it. And we should probably spend that time doing something better. Yeah. I love that. I think that is a great takeaway for people today. I would just like to share something as poetic as that in terms of one of the best pieces of advice that I was given when I was younger. And because the US live in the future, this was probably 10 years after they were invented because we get everything so late. The first time I saw an ad for Pop-Tarts and I really wanted Pop-Tarts. And someone told me, never grab the Pop-Tart when it pops up from the toaster because people have been burning their fingers off of their hands when they get that stuck in the liquid stuff in the middle of it. So there you go. Kip, good advice. Mine, just as good advice. Feel free to take whichever one of those one you want and apply them. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love, Nudge. 
hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Kieran, I have a hot. I've never had a Pop-Tart, by the way. Well, are you f- serious? I don't know. I've never had a Pop-Tart. Okay, even though first, I like first of all, they're gonna... delicious. Yeah, I've, Second of all, cinnamon delicious. and strawberry are the two best flavors. Third of all, if you eat Pop-Tarts without icing, you're dead to me. That makes no sense to me. Why would you have a Pop-Tart without icing? The fourth thing, and I need this in the YouTube comments because this is going to be controversial. This is going to be the most controversial thing I've said on the pod. Pop-Tarts are better in the microwave than in a toaster. Oh, really? They don't sound like it'd be better. They're better in the microwave than in the okay, toaster. I'm going to find Pop-Tarts, eat one and try toaster one. Toaster kind of dries it out and the microwave kind of steams it up. Makes I'm agree. pretty sure as healthy as you eat, if you ate a Pop-Tart, you would probably be in bed for like three days. The first time I went to the States when I was in college and I'm a cereal person, like I fucking love cereal. That is my weakness. And like the States is basically <laughs> like most people who create those cereals should be in prison for inflicting... <laughs> damage upon people like they're not cereal they're just like sugar all these like cereals you have and i remember when the first time i discovered frosty lucky charms now obviously the irish person being drawn you, to the leprechaun so, so you're calling hold on hold on you're calling them frosty lucky charms i just call them lucky charms but they're not frosty yet so they're lucky charms and obviously it's like pretty ironic that me the irish person gets drawn to the like the leprechaun cereal but that's a whole like another <laughs> that's a whole other thing <laughs> you just have like <laughs> i wouldn't even go down what i was going to say there just in case with other irish people they think that i'm being that racist irish people but I, anyway the first time i saw them i was like what are these like cool they have like little marshmallow things inside them i had a full box kept a full box in one sitting and i've never been happier or more sick <laughs> And I always think about like, maybe I'll one day just go back and have a bowl of them and see if they actually kill me. I will tell you, I did the same thing at the start of the pandemic. That was my depression thing at the eating start Lucky of the Charms? pandemic. Yeah. Was Lucky Charms? Lucky oh. Charms. Yeah. Love it. I'm with you on this. All right. Where the f*** are you Mark, for this episode? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I, it's a great episode. I, it's very it's cathartic right. for me. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very here for it. Leave well, all the no, sh- We've talked about how distribution is getting harder. Analyzing distribution is much harder. Yeah. And so the other last point I want to make before we move into like the growth versus efficiency is on the AI stuff, just to round out, I do think that AI is this like interesting thing where it's a, people have been asking me a lot, which is, okay, is this already bad for distribution and our marketers are already screwed? I think it's an actual headwind in the short term before it ever becomes a tailwind, right? I think you can be much better at search in the short term. Actually, I saw this founder, he did a demo kept for me and it's like pretty incredible. I'm not going to give the name away because people will want it to compete with all of us, but you know the HubSpot content SEO engine and the way they build an editorial calendars and historical optimization and cover clustering, they've actually built that exact system that a single person can do it all. Like it does okay. it, it's 
it's actually incredible. So when I see that, I can see like, wow, you could be a small company and build something similar to like a HubSpot or build something similar to like all of these other companies that have built big content SEO engines like a Zapier with a small team. So Tailwind, similar to I think paid is going to be much better. There's actually some features being released by Google and Facebook to help you optimize ads, to help you build creative, to help you build video, all of these different things make your paid much better. There's going to be way easier ways to personalize all of our email. So what I'm saying is I think for the first 12 to 18 months for fast movers, it's actually a tailwind before it becomes a headwind because things get much more commoditized. But when it becomes a headwind, I wonder if there's new mechanics that we haven't even considered that we're going to be able to use within our marketing because they're like net new experiences that we can actually create for people and acquire people. Well, one of the things that we haven't talked about, Karen, I can share a little bit more inside baseball. I don't know. Did you guys, did the last Google algo hit you at Zapier pretty hard? No. We got hit pretty hard. That's because I wasn't there. I brought all of my... (laughs) We went up actually. So I brought all of my specialist powers from HubSpot over to Zapier. Here the the patron state of SEOs, the, you know, the, when, when we have some SEO The traffic museum, just follows me around. I'm like the, the traffic, Pied Piper of traffic. Traffic does follow you Wherever around. I go, it follows me. It's coming in behind me. We got hit hard. Google did an algorithm update where they valued freshness of content and page performance even higher in the algorithm. Right. And I promise this connects back to your AI commentary. They're doing this to prepare for a more highly competitive, disruptive search environment. Mm, And we had to reallocate time and people to much more updating of existing content versus creating new content. And we had to do some technical page performance stuff, mostly not on like our core product pages. It was mostly just like on content pages. And I think that's probably why you didn't get hit that hard at Zapier is because you're more product and marketplace pages than your content pages. And I think it's, it was a more acute on the, the marketplace side. But I think this is emblematic for everybody listening of, first of all, this game is unpredictable. And like, you know, you never know what's going to get thrown at you. Super unpredictable. The second is the disruption AI cause is not just directly AI related. That the disruption in the Google algorithm, the social algorithms are going to change marketing faster than we all think. And if you're seeing a change in your performance, like those are some of the indicators that are impacting your business today. And the way that you overcome those and outgrow is you have to one, be agile and understand what happened and reallocate your time and focus around. Like that's super important. The second is invest in new ways of getting distribution, even if that distribution is indirect, like social media and other things that we talked about. Those are really, really important things in this new era of what I would call like limbo we're in right now. In like, in like 18, 24 months, Kieran and I are going to be on the show being like, oh, if you do these three things, you're going to grow traffic. Great. Because things will have kind of settled in and we'll, we'll have some more discrete plays. We just don't have those today. Right? No. Anyone who's telling you they is do a liar. Is, is lying. They're a liar. One of the graphics to have in your head is actually two-circle Venn diagram, right? The entirety of marketing is basically transactional, influence and there's that overlap in between, right? Like where things can be both transactional and create influence for you. And I think what we're maybe saying is in the internet era and the era that we have kind of built our careers, if you look at that Venn diagram and look at the shading, it's heavily shaded in the transactional and heavily shaded in the middle, which is the intersection between transactional influence and very lightly, if, if at all, shaded in the influence. I think what we're saying is over time that is going to move back. So it's like the inverse where it's like heavily in the middle and heavily influence and marketing has become much more, much more about influence. And that is going to be a 
reckoning that, of well, like that is the point we are trying to make on this show vibe. companies are having a hard time growing because everybody swung to the like the dial turning precise right. measurement of all things marketing everybody focused there and now you're having that disrupted so if you want to grow you are going to have to do highly influence based plays right? My core thing is we're moving to very use case. Like you have this use case, you're able to tell very creative stories around this use case of your product or service and really bring it to life versus maybe more traditional product marketing or competitive marketing. Agreed. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you win when your customers win. And so being able to tell that story is still going to matter. All right. So Kieran and I had a lot of fun. Show Kieran some appreciation by hitting that subscribe button on YouTube because he is grinding out on, I think, what is a very tough week for you, my friends. So, like, it is a tough it. week. I have tomorrow off. I'm crawling towards the end of the week. You ever get those weeks when you just visualize yourself? You're like crawling, like hand on on the, just like getting to the end of the week. And then tomorrow, I am going to watch Extraction Two, Kip. This is my gift to myself. It's one of the what's the brothers Hemsworth? The it's one of the Thor? Hemsworth brothers, right? The Thor dude. <laughs> the Thor dude. Man, he's badass. Well. The first one was bad. Well, so what's funny is that you're like feeling like you're crawling through the week. And like, I literally feel like I'm crawling through the week because I'm on a new workout program and I can barely oh. f- walk. <laughs> I'm like crawling would be doing much better. I'm doing the fount. I am shout out to Andrew Her and the team at fount. I've got an awesome coach. I got my detailed daily workouts. I got my protein and my supplements and all this crazy, crazy stuff. And like a few weeks in, it's starting to catch up with me a little bit. And I'm, uh, you're going to be feeling, it. feeling phenomenal. You, you better be for the amount of like effort it goes into. I, 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 I think amazing. that is incredible I'll be honest, service. The TLDR is I right. feel incredible. <laughs> like I feel absolutely amazing <laughs> other than walking upstairs. Basically <laughs> seems like somebody's coming up behind me with a switchblade <laughs> and just stabbing me <laughs> in the back of the legs. That's what you get for like high priced health things. Like you get and phenomenal feelings, but really, really a lot of pain. Every, every All good things come with a lot of pain. Yep. I am actually going to connect with Andrew, hopefully, and maybe I will join you on the pain you brigade. Should, you should, man. I'm going on vacay soon and I got to keep doing it over vacay and I'm I'm going to get crushed. You're not going to bring equipment or go to the gym. It's like body exercises, I, have a I guess. coach who basically sets up my weekly workout regimen nice. and then they send me supplements for every day. Basically, they've customized the workout so it's all body weight and like running and that kind of stuff. This service, which is phenomenal, first, I think Packy wrote about it, not to like put them onto defense mode, but like this is a perfect business model for AI because in the future, you'll be able to do your blood tests, send them into an AI agent. AI agent is able to like extrapolate all of the things you should do based upon blood tests. And then coach will be able to take your weight, height, age, and then like take goals and be able to customize workout plans. That is an interesting business model for like future AI agents being able to like automate most of that stuff. 100%. Also, just so everybody watching knows, anything we talk about almost always finishes with Kieran going, so let me tell you how AI is going to do this better and save everybody a bunch of money. I know. I know. I actually, I was on a podcast yesterday with a bunch of people and you know what was really funny? Like it was a great podcast, incredible guest. And only halfway through, I realized, and they had sent me the questions. Like it was on with Steph. We love Steph. She's awesome. Go Steph Smith. But they Shout sent out me to the questions. And like, yeah. And like, they sent me the questions. So I knew what it was about. And halfway through, I realized that it wasn't about AI. <laughs> it was about like, it was about something different. And I had answered every question <laughs> as if it was a question about AI. And I was like, oh, geez, I should like, you know, learn when to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> because like, I'm maybe I should not be completely myopic in my thinking. 
Yeah, maybe I'm just so you know what I'm like. I, I do know. Like if I get into something, I'm an all or nothing person. I can't uh, stop. Well, thinking that's about why that we're thing. friends because I'm equally all or nothing, and then I feel like we get along and then alienate the rest of the world because they can't. <laughs> <tolerate> <laughs> it's it's great. <laughs> When we used to bring people to dinners uh, as part of the recruitment process and then realized that we had talked for oh, an hour. Did you want to say something now? This is really why we have <laughs> sorry, the pod sorry, is was, just so that we could we can do yeah, that. So in we front can actually get all out of our, get that out of our system so we don't have to like alienate other people when they're this actually trying to speak is, to us. This podcast is actually very good for our like social Therapy. health. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we get all of our social dynamic <laughs> yeah. awkwardness out with each other and then we could yeah. we could be yeah. a little better to yeah. other humans, I think. We could be real humans in the in the real world we can act like real humans or totally agree. All right. So we, we kicked off today's show with basically saying, hey, we're going to talk about how distribution is getting harder. Then we're going to talk about marketing teams of the future and growth versus efficiency. Kieran and I had a lot of fun. And instead of trying to rush the last two parts and make this a slightly longer than normal episode, we're going to leave some of the fun and jokes in because, I mean, come on, we needed it, you needed it. It's, it's going to be awesome. And we're going to do a three-parter. And so we'll talk about marketing team in the future on the next episode that we record. And then we'll do a little bit of like growth versus efficiency, which is going to be a fun one. I got some hot takes on that. So you're not going to want to miss that one. So on today's show, we really covered what are the factors that are making it harder to grow? How we're becoming over-obsessed with analytics versus action. How we're going to shift back more towards influence-based marketing than kind of direct response, data-driven marketing. And I shared one of my best pieces of advice ever. And if you missed that, go back and listen to that. And we'll be back with the next two parts of this series very soon. This has been Marketing Against the Grain. We'll talk to you real soon.